Committee ready for the word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for all of these amazing testimonies. And I know, I know we all have just gone back now in our minds and thought about times and seasons and situations where you intervened. And Father, we do know, we thank you now because when we get to heaven, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest things, Lord, is when you show us all the things that you kept us from. And we're going to rejoice throughout eternity for the things you kept us from. So, Father, just, just bless this word and may it, may it touch lives. Help me to be sensitive to the spirit and speak only those things you'd have me to say. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. So Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command, command Aaron and his son saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning. Say kept burning. Kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers, and he shall, put on, he shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. Aren't you glad God will take what needs to be taken away? And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Give someone a fist bump, hug, and tell them, keep it lit. Keep it lit. Now tell them something else. Say, say, say feed the fire. Feed the fire. You may be seated. So God gave Moses a law. It's a law. It's not, it's not a suggestion. He said, I want, this is the law of the burnt offering. You must find a way to keep this thing lit all the time. For 40 years, that fire burnt. When they got into the, into the promised land, it continued to burn all the way. Solomon's temple. I mean, there was always a fire burning, and he said, don't ever let it go out. We know last week from Leviticus chapter 9, verse, verse 22, that, 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 that they put everything on the altar. They set everything up the way it was supposed to be set up. Can I go there? Leviticus 9. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burn offering, and the peace offering. So he blesses the people, comes down off the altar. Amen. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then, said, then the glory, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Watch this. And Fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Woo! God lit the fire. But the law is you have to keep it lit. People ask questions that once revival starts, 
How come it doesn't just keep going? And some people make excuses like, well, it's because God doesn't want revival going all the time. That's not normal, you know. The presence of God is not normal. Having the glory in your service, that's just occasional. I don't know what kind of pastor you want me to be, but I want to be the kind of pastor that pastors a church where the glory is there every service, every small group, every prayer meeting, even in your home. I want us to have revival all the time. Awakening all the time. The presence of God all the time. The glory of God all the time. Revivals don't have to stop. And get it out of your head that revival is something we do when we schedule an evangelist to come in for a few nights. Thank God for evangelists, but I'm not talking about just a series of meetings. I'm talking about the glory of God in the house. All the time. The glory appeared and the fire fell. Now, I'm going to give you several things about this. But number one, I think the most important thing to understand is the reason why, why revival uh, doesn't stay, doesn't tarry, is because we let it go. You have to have a willingness to keep the fire lit. Leonard Ravenhill, that great man of God, prayer warrior, evangelist from the previous century, he said it best. He said, the only reason we don't have revival is because people don't want it. And if we want it, I believe God will give it. Because the fire has already been set. I remember, I remember staying at my, at my grandparents' home every once in a while and uh, I remember being in my teens, and we spent the night in, uh, in Minnesota in the winter. And I, I, and I, you know, I was used to warm houses. And I said, Grandpa, how do, you, how do you keep this thing warm? He said, you see that pot belly stove? It was a two-story farmhouse, poorly insulated, no running water, no electricity. I was a teenager at the time. Horse and buggy parked out back. He said, I get up every two hours. He didn't have a coal fire. He had a wood fire. And every two hours, he'd come down and he'd put some more wood in the fire and go back to bed. Winters are long in Minnesota. So he slept all summer. Probably didn't sleep all summer because there's no air conditioning. But you say, well, how did he heat the upstairs? There's a grate in the floor, and that heat would rise up through the grate. I said, I said, Mom, how did you all stay? Well, she said, well, there were nine of us and only a couple beds. And we believed in quilts, not for decoration, but to keep warm. <laughs> And then we'd sleep four or five in the bed, all the girls in one bed, all the guys would be in another bed, and we'd have a quilt. 
And she said, I, I remember, and then I, then I hear my aunts, they start talking. You remember that time the window was broken and nobody would fix it and the snow was coming in and nobody would fix the window and we'd be freezing to death. Just got it under that. And I heard all these old stories about, you know, 20 below zero and they're trying to keep it warm. But listen, you can keep it warm if you want to keep it warm. You can keep revival going if you want revival going. If you walk in here expecting God to move, I believe he will move. If you come in here saying, bless me if you you can well i'm sorry you're going to get excluded but the ones who come through the door saying god's going to move today i'm expecting god to do something wonderful today i can't wait to get to church i can't wait to see what god is up to on sunday morning amen i got news for you you do not need to ask god to send the fire he already sent it it's called pentecost he didn't just go, whoo, whoo. The fire's there. He said, well, why isn't it in the churches all the time? I already told you they don't want it. They act like they do. They say they do. But as soon as it moves, they're like, ooh, what's this like? What's this going to be? They're more afraid of wildfire than they are afraid of God. The fire of Pentecost never went out. It's been burning across the centuries, across two millennium now. You can, listen, I'm a student of Christian history. It breaks out over here and it breaks out over there. But it, it's just, I was watching, I was watching a, a show. They were talking about how a fire had gone through the forest and these people had almost lost their homes. And, uh, and the fire was put out and the fire department went home. But they said, you know what we had to do? We had to keep going out into the woods. And, and, and kick the dirt and poke around with a shovel because the fire would keep burning underground. Y'all didn't get that. He said, you, you take a shovel and you look underground, you dig a little hole, and there was a little cavern in there, and the roots were still burning. He said, how do you keep the fire going? If the fire has fuel... I said, if the fire has fuel, it may be burning underground. But he said, we had to go out there and find those spots and, and dig it up and put it out. Because if we let it go, it would continue to burn and, and it would continue to look for fuel. And as long as it kept finding fuel, eventually it would come up out of the ground and the fire would start all over again. I'm here to tell you, God's fire, even if you can't see it, it's underground. It's right here. It's ready to come out. You just need to fuel the fire. Fire! We've got to fuel the fire. God has always had a people. God has always had a fire. Amen. Which way does the fire burn? The fire burns in the direction of the fuel. It burns in the direction of the fuel. We need to be like Moses in Exodus chapter 33. Y'all praying I can get through this. Now therefore I pray, Moses... If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. How many want to know his way? Number two, that I may know you. How many want to know him? And number three, that I might find grace in your sight. And, and consider, God, that Journey Life Center is your people. You, you sent these people here. 
And, and God said, okay, Moses, listen, Moses. My presence, capital P. My presence will go with you. And I'm going to give you rest. So Moses said to him, if if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I don't want to go anywhere where his presence isn't. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. And watch this. And I know you by. Now, God knows everybody, right? Why did he have to say that? He's saying, Moses, listen, God can't know you like that unless you know who you are. If you don't know who you are, he can't relate to you. Oh, y'all aren't getting this. If you don't even have an identity, how can he put his glory on you if you don't know who you are? God says, Moses, since I know you by your name. In other words, I know you by the name I put on you, not mama and daddy. You have a spiritual name in heaven. They say, well, that's the book, they, that's the name they scribbled in the book. No, no, that's the name you've had for all eternity. Glory, glory. Let me say this. You have to know your identity for glory to rest on you. Did you ever notice that whenever, did you ever notice that when when Jesus would cast out a devil, he would ask it its name? Because when the devil gave him its name, it was automatically defeated. It's like saying, what's your name, devil? Loser. (laughs) What's your name, devil? Defeated. That's why you name devils. Because once you have the identity, you can deal with him. Glory to God. Come on. Every time you come again, every time you come up with a devil, just say, what's your name, devil? What's your name? What's your name? That's not for your sake. That's just so he names his situation as defeated, loser, and he's coming out. Did you ever notice that when Jesus healed somebody, he would lay his hand on them. Whenever he cast out a devil, he never touched it. That's the power of impartation. Jesus said, I am not touching that which I do not intend to impart anything to. I'm not imparting. That thing is departing. So he wouldn't touch it. Listen, this is the big problem in the world today. Identity. That's the big problem. We get addicted to stuff, and we're, we're involved. We're, we're doing, we don't know who we are, saved or unsaved. That's why you try to get all these people to like you on Facebook. You actually want them to tell you who you are. I don't need Facebook friends to inform my identity. I know in whom I believed. And I know who I am. 
We're addicted to it. You know why all these, all these problems with, all this problem with sexual perversion? Listen, here's the thing. They find their identity in their sexual orientation. Sex isn't who you are. Sex is what you do. The American Medical Association came, AMA, came out with a statement that says whenever a baby is born, there really is no way to determine the gender. The AMA said that. There's no way. I don't know about you, but when the baby comes out of the womb, you look and you say, mm -hmm, that's a boy. <laughs> or you look at it and say, that's a girl. For thousands of years, we knew boys from girls. Now we don't know because sexual orientation has become an identity. You are not. That is not your identity. Your identity is in God. Hallelujah. My identity is in the Holy Ghost. Can, can, I, can I dabble some more? Because, you know, we're, we're getting all this stuff about, you know, all, all, all the race problem and all the stuff going on with that. And, and basi <clears throat> basically what they're saying is that the only way I can feel better about myself and my race is to put you and your race down. And they're all identifying according to race. But I'm here to tell you, all that they're doing is dividing us instead of putting us together. Now, I believe in celebrating who you are. Know your history. Know your ancestry. I mean, I'm a proud half German. Listen, when the Nazis came along, they, they, the reason the Nazis became so strong is because they put everyone else down and said we're superior and now we're seeing the same thing happening but my identity really isn't in my whiteness my identity is in Jesus Christ that's the only way we can all get along in here our identity must be Christian I am a Christian I, I like what Condoleezza Rice said the other day. She said, I, 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 want, I want little black children to know their heritage. I want them to know where they came from. I want them to understand their history. But I don't want them to, under, I don't want them to feel good about themselves at the expense of little white kids. What have you accomplished by putting one down just to pick another one up when we can all be picked up? I don't know about you, but there's no perfect race. <laughs> I don't care what your race is. We all have some history. Number two. I'll tell you what the fuel is. Y'all want to know what the fuel is? The fuel of Holy Ghost, presence, and fire is dead wood. Romans 6, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be, to be, Indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For when you live controlled by the, you are about to, but if the life of the Spirit puts 
death, the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. If you lose your life, you gain your life. Actually, that's two Greek words there. If you're willing to put your natural life down, you gain spiritual life. It starts flesh and zuke life, spiritual life. Amen. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there are some things you need to bring up here to the altar. Listen, this altar is not a place to get blessed. It's a place to place dead wood. It's where you leave things. Some of you have problems because you come to the altar and you pray and you say, oh, God, oh, God. And then just before you leave, you. Things are supposed to burn on the altar. You're supposed to bring your, your dead wood to the altar. Listen, people, when God says, you need to quit doing that, oh, yeah, but I love that. Yeah, but it's killing you. It's keeping the presence away. If you want the fire to burn, you need to bring dead things, things that are dead in your life, and, and leave them on the altar. And listen, it's not just about leaving them. It's about providing some fire in your life. Wow. Number three, confession and repentance feeds fire. We don't have revival because none of us think we sin. I haven't sinned in 20 years. Well, there's that thing called lying. <laughs> Acts, Acts 19, I love this story. Acts 19, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. I think we touched on this last week. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed or since you believed? They said, and we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Boy, there's a big part of the church there. Woo. Next verse. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who should come after him. That is on, on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, then they heard this. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul laid what? Hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Woo! Go to uh, verse 10. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia, that's Turkey, Heard the word of the, of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. How many want to see that stuff? <laughs> then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists <laughs> took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preached. Don't go laying hands on people and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus that pastor talks about on Sunday. <laughs> you got to know him. 
You need to know who you are. It's not enough to say, well, I know my pastor. No, it's not about you knowing me. It's about you knowing you. You need to know you. You need to know the power you have. You need to understand he left you power. You need to understand you can cast out demons in the name of Jesus. You can heal the sick in the name of Jesus. Ah, glory. You can bring deliverance in the name of Jesus. And the evil spirit, how many know evil spirits talk? And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? I hate it when that happens. Who are then the man in whom the evil spirit was? Remember, they're trying to cast a demon out of this guy, right? The evil spirit came out. Leaped on them. People say, oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to cast out devils because they might jump on me. They, this, they won't jump on you if you knew who you were. No devil would bother you if you, if you knew who you were. He's not going to jump on you. He's not going to live in you. He don't even want to live in you if you know who you are. It's too hot in there for them. And they live in hell. Overpowered them. Prevailed against them. Ripped their clothes off. Mean devils. Wounded them. And everybody knew it. (laughs) And fear fell on all them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing, telling their deeds. Many who had practiced magic brought their books together, burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. 50,000 pieces of silver. They said that was enough to put Put a man to work, okay? How many men can you put to work for one day with, fifth, with, with that many, what did I say? 50,000 pieces of silver. You know how many people you can put to work for one day? 50,000 workers. In today's money, it would have been worth $5 million. Up in smoke. Good thing Judas wasn't around. He'd... Oh, what a waste. We could have sold that. In a... Come on now. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Give God a shout and a praise. Why? Because they threw their sin in the fire. I know it's not popular preaching about sin. We all want to act like we don't do it anymore. Number four. What did it say in our text? The altar, the altar, and the wood, and the sacrifice had to be put on the altar properly. Do you ever light a fire? You don't just throw a bunch of wood in there and strike a match and walk away. Do you all know how to start a fire? You start with little sticks. You start with... Hey, just little little stuff. Paper. You 
You start little, and, it grow, and then as it grows, you keep putting larger logs on it. And, and you don't just throw it on there. Listen, don't be, you can't be careless with the presence of God. You have to put it in such a way that air can get through it. Because the fire burns wood but feeds off air. <laughs> Revival will burn off your wood, but it's the breath of the Holy Spirit that keeps it going. But, he, but, if he, but if the fire is out, he can breathe on it all he wants. But it's exciting to me to know, even when a fire has burned down, as long as there's just a few, 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 just, just a few little kernels left, just a, just a little bit, just a little bit of flame. Or like I said before, if there's a little bit of fire, maybe it's underground. But the fire in 2,000 years has never gone out, folks. If you can find the fire, you can keep it burning. It needs to be set a certain way. Remember when Elijah confronted Sister Jessie. Remember that? He made an altar. And by the way, when you make an altar, but you don't form the stones, nothing man-made. Listen, you can't bring anything to the altar that's man-made. Your altar has to be God-made. So you bring natural stones, and you pile the stones up. And then, and then he had, he had like those 12 stones, which meant that all the tribes were involved. Then he dug a trench around it, right? And he poured in water. And then he poured water on top of it. Why did he do all that? You know, sometimes God will make things seem more impossible just to prove his point. Sometimes you pray and things get worse. And don't, don't abandon your prayer. God's just trying to make it even greater than you thought it could be. You're praying, oh, God, this is near impossible. And God goes, no, it's impossible. Watch this. I, I can make this harder. So he does. And then Elijah says, Elijah just says, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And they had their little altar. And all day long, they had a long service. All day long, they're... Cutting themselves, screeching, crying all day long. And Elijah's just sitting over there. Y'all been at this 12 hours. I haven't seen a spark. So he's just sitting there and finally says, okay, my turn. And they're thinking, the day's done now. <laughs> Good luck, Elijah. And he gets up and he prays, what was it, a 63-word prayer. And the fire falls and consumes the sacrifice and, and licks up the water. And everything's consumed. But I want you to get this. Number five, if you want a fire, you need to stay close to the fire. I'll never forget this example of a pastor who went to visit one of his members that hadn't been attending regularly. And he had a fire going in the fireplace. The pastor sat down on the hearth and they began to talk. And while they're talking, the pastor reached into the little fire there and took one of the sticks and just pulled it out, pulled it off to the side. Just kept on talking. Fire went out. They kept talking. He reached over, pulled another stick. <laughs> the guy's like, what is he doing to my fire? He kept pulling sticks out. And, then, and finally he said, Pastor, what are you doing? He said, you've been out of church for months, and you think you're okay. But every time you pull back from God's people, it's like pulling that stick out of the fire. He said, it'll just go out. And the fire that's left is diminished. Do not think 
that just because you know how to worship God in the woods, that you don't need church. You don't need the family. You don't need preachers. I don't need church to go to heaven. Oh, you can go to heaven. Your stick will just have a little smoke on it, but you get to heaven without going to church, but that's not his plan. There's just something about God's people coming together. Instead of a little stick burning over here and a little stick burning over here, if we could put all the sticks together, it's just something about the nature of fire, that when fire gets close to fire, it becomes a bigger fire. And as you put, put these logs and put these sticks together, they, they help one each other. They burn each other. The, the fire becomes larger. The fire becomes hotter. It drives away devils. Amen. It's time to get the fire burning by staying together. Well, uh, they hurt my feelings. Grow up. There's nobody in this church that could honestly say, unless you've been saved five minutes, that you've never been hurt by a church person. So what? None of us are perfect, including your whiny attitude. Take it as a lesson. Learn, forgive, and grow, and keep the fire burning. Let's forgive each other and keep the fire burning. Let's move on and keep the fire burning. Let's learn from it and keep the fire burning. Let's keep it burning by staying together. You know, one reason, how many know right after, uh, right after old Jesse, what happened to Elijah? He runs. He's depressed. He's threatened. Jezebel says, if you're not dead by tomorrow, may that, you know, may that happen to me if you're not dead by tomorrow. And Elijah says, I'm out of here. And you know why he ran? Because he thought he was alone. You know, it's okay to be alone when the power's falling. You kind of feel awkward when the devil's fighting you. And you feel all alone. No one's praying for me. No one's helping me. So he runs. There, how many have had times like that in your life where you felt alone? You felt like you're not going to get through this. You felt like maybe the enemy might win this one. And Jezebel threatened his life, and he believed her. And he ran. And he gets into that cave, and God, God gave him a word. You know what the word is? What are you doing here? Have you ever had God tell you that? Oh, God. And God's like, what is your problem? What is your problem? Didn't I get you through something like this three years ago? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? My God, you've been serving me 20 years. Have I ever left you or forsook you? Come on, church. We know our history. We know our God has never left us. We're never alone. Let me give you something else. Because the next day, Elijah still, what if I told you Elijah survived that next day? What if I told you Elijah was alive next week? What if I told you he was alive next month? What if I told you Elijah was alive a year later? What if I told you that Elijah is alive today because he never died? And how many know Jezebel's dead? 
Listen, the spirit of Jezebel is here today. I, I, I don't know if I'll read it, but Revelation chapter 2 talks about the church. And he said, he said, you've done a lot of good things, church. But put it up there so they can read it. You've done a lot of good things. You've done a lot of good things, church. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, but you're really rich. I know the blasphemy, right? You've done a lot of good things. Verse 10. You've done a lot of good things, church. Nor, and you don't fear persecution that's coming. And indeed, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. Tribulation, faith, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. He talked about all the things all the things, all the good things. Then he says, but I have one thing against you. You put up with that woman, Jezebel. What you tolerate could kill you. We have to stop tolerating. I know that's the message of the word. Let's all just tolerate each other. You ever see that bumper sticker, coexist? And, they, and every letter is a, is a world... Religion, including atheist, no, the C doesn't coexist with the O. The C, Christian, doesn't coexist with the E. It doesn't coexist with the other letters, for there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. I can tolerate you, but listen, listen, we have, we have to be careful. I mean, I can love you, okay, but I can't tolerate it. We have to be careful what we let in our homes. But you've got to know who you are in God. You can't be afraid of that stuff, but you can't tolerate that stuff. Come on, church. I don't, you got a minute. you got a minute. Can I chase this rabbit? Can I chase this? Listen, listen. I like what Paul said because Paul had the problem about people eating meat that's offered to idols. Remember that? And they would do it. They would, they, would, they would offer these offerings up, and then they would sell the meat to the butcher shop. And if you're a Christian, you would go to the butcher shop and buy meat, and you never knew if it was offered to idols or not. And people began to say, oh, my God, you can't eat meat. But Paul comes along and says, it's just meat. He said, don't ask any questions. Don't ask, don't tell. Start it right there. When you go to the butcher shop, just take your meat. Because when you get it home in your sanctified home and you pray over it with sanctified prayer, amen, that, that demon possess, demons don't possess meat. They possess people. Except that time they got in the pigs, but the pigs had enough sense to kill themselves. He said, why did they jump into the river? I guess because demons can't swim. So I'm not afraid of any of that stuff. But he says, if the butcher tells you this is meat from the idolaters, then don't buy it because of your testimony. But if you don't know, you're safe. Don't worry about it. Isn't that interesting how Paul does that? Listen, we can't walk around cursing the darkness all the time. You just, listen, every time you feel like cursing the darkness, will you please just remember that you have a candle? You're the light of the world, not the curse of the world. And instead of being afraid of all that stuff, why don't, amen. I got good news. Revelation chapter 18, I think, somewhere in there. After these things, I saw another angel coming from the heavenly realm with great authority. And the earth was flooded. I'm talking about the end times here. Flooded with the brilliance of his 
splendor, his glory is going to fill the earth. That means sinners are going to see the glory. It won't just be something happens in church on Sunday morning. Sinners are going to see the The earth is full of his glory. The angel shouted with a thunderous voice, Fallen is Babylon the great. Spirit of Antichrist. We say, well, I don't know where Babylon is. Turn the news on. And I don't care what channel it is. Babylon has fallen. That great city. By the way, the word city in the Greek is polis. It's where we get the word politician. It's where we get the word policy. It's where we get the word policy. It's where we get the word police. Babylon's policy, her authority, her police state has come down. It's been crushed. It's been crashed. And how did it happen? Do you know what Jesus called you? Didn't I say you should know your identity? Jesus said the church is a city, and it's not Babylon. It's a city set on a hill. The church is a policy. The church is a police force. The church has politics in a good sense. The church is declaring over this world, you're coming down, Babylon. Yeah, but, yeah, but he, he called us the church, the literal word church. Well, look it up in the Greek. The word for church is ecclesia. That word came, it, wasn't, it didn't mean church in Jesus' time. He took that word from the Greeks. The word ecclesia was the governing body of a city. It was the mayor and the senators and the, and the leaders, and they would all get together in these Greek democratic cities, right? It's where democracy was birthed. And these leaders of the city would make policy. And he, called, he took that word and said, that's who you are. The policies of this world are coming down. And the policies of the kingdom of heaven are going to take over. Babylon is coming down. How many know we have a police force? It's time to rule. It's time to rule. They, they can't cancel us. We don't know who we are. That's why we get upset when somebody doesn't, when someone says something on Facebook about us. We go, ah, don't even know who it is. Let me tell you something. God's greater than Facebook. All right. Will you listen to an old man? Will you listen to an old man? You young people, will you listen to an old timer here for a minute? Because I've been around long enough to know that the greatest spirit in the world is God's spirit. It's greater than Facebook. It's greater than Twitter, TikTok. Listen to an old man. I was serving God before Facebook. And he was pretty big back then. Oh, we gotta, I got to be right on Facebook. No, you need to be right with God. Don't worry about Facebook. God was God before Facebook. I got news for you. I, I, when I got saved, there was no Internet. I did not have a, I didn't walk around with a phone when I got saved. I grew up with a party line. Our phone hung on the wall in the kitchen. And you couldn't. You could only walk away from it until it, you ran out of cord. 
and the stupid cord kept tangling. And you had to hold the cord and let the phone spin so you can walk two more feet on your feet. Oh, we complain how bad it is today. I was saved in 1973. Can I tell you something? You talk about race riots. We saw some race riots. Police shooting them, water hosing them, killing them. You talk about riots. They would riot. They would make, they would make bombs and blow up federal buildings because of the war in Vietnam. Cities were burning. Hello, Kent State. Do you know that it was in the 60s and 70s that the, that the sexual revolution broke out? And we understand all that. Don't tell me things are bad now. But the good news, but watch this, watch this. In the middle of all the riots and the burnings and the crime and the killings and the sexual revolution, uh, hello Woodstock, and, and, and all that stuff was going on, in the middle of all that, God reached down and touched a little Catholic boy and filled him with the Holy Ghost. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I, they used to call me the Jesus. I was part of the Jesus movement. I was a Jesus freak. And then to further confuse me, God took this little, little Catholic boy, turned him into a Jesus freak, and then picked him up. I felt like I was being dumped in chocolate or something. And then he dumped me in a holy roller church. A Jesus freak in a holy roller church. Do y'all know what a holy roller church is? Do y'all know what, y'all know what holiness was back then? 90% of your women are going to hell right now. God put this Jesus freak in a holy roller church. Listen, the only way I survived all that is to know one thing. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Don't tell me times are hard. Don't tell me about my... Listen, I've been around this long enough to know that God is greater than Facebook. He's greater than the Internet. And listen to me. God doesn't need any of it to be God. And God doesn't need any of it to have a revival. And God doesn't need any of it to change and touch your life. Somebody help me. 